0: Happy Sunday Marie.
1: Happy Sunday, Diane.
0: How you doing?
1: Good, how are you?
0: I'm wonderful.
1: Good.
0: Just chilling. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. It's nice out there today.
0: It looks cold. I haven't been outside. I was on a um conference well, a Zoom um meeting. My my resistance Bible study class, and then we had like a little thing afterwards, so I just got off of that about an hour ago. Hey, Della. Hello. Happy Sunday.
2: Happy Sunday. The Ravens just won, so I'm extra happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love when the underdogs show up. They kept talking about my boy Lamar, and he's so humble and so respectful, and just like they always want to downplay people from Baltimore, we come back and show up and show out every single time. So, I just gotta right. let y'all in on that. <laughs> gotta let y'all in I on that. More. I forgot okay. y'all, you
0: know, okay. y'all, love, y- y'all hometown people love y'all
2: teams. Okay, because they, yes. we served as the underdogs so long, they talk so much junk about us, but how many Super Bowls have we won since I've been living? Okay, we showed up and show out every single time. And Lamar Jackson is definitely the MVP because he's so respectful, so humble. They talk so much junk about him. And he he stays, he stays focused. He keeps his head in his game. I hope young people are looking at him and really, really, really taking this in because he shows us just exactly what a young 24-year-old NFL player can do, okay, against all odds. So happy wow. Sunday to you, too, too. Sunday, Della. (laughs) Marie,
0: I don't know, Della. I don't know if you and Marie have ever officially got introduced.
2: I think she was at um, Aunt May's funeral at my grandmother's house. Yes. And I met her there. And I always wish that we, you know, had a better relationship or a closer relationship, especially if we lived close together, like similar states, or you know, a state apart. I'm not sure. Are are you still living? In Virginia, or do you live somewhere else?
1: Yes, I'm in Virginia, and this could be the start of that closer relationship, Della.
2: Thank you, because um, one thing I told Diane when I started my PhD back at AT and um, oh. is that I was really looking for successful, humble, insightful women when I entered the program, but if I have those women already, already in my family, then I don't need to be looking anywhere else, okay, <laughs> and we're just going to start and end that there. Because I realized going back to AT, they are not role models, as I projected. And mm-hmm. they have a lot of biases and jealousies and je- you know, jealousy and envy. And and that's not cool for someone who's returning back. So if if the women are already in my family, then I ain't gotta look far. So I would that's I look cool. forward to greeting and meeting and hooking up with you soon. As you know, I'm in Virginia too. I'm in Danville. So we're too close not to be, you know, politicking, if I can say that. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Right. So Della, thank you for being on our program. You our first uh cousin that we brought little in. Little cousin.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, your little
0: cousin. Little we cousin. brought Karen we brought Karen Pope and Wukwe in last week and you know, she's one of our play cousins, but she said after uh the um after she was on with Marie she decided she's our first cousin. So um, <laughs> <laughs> We're glad we are glad we have a new generation of cousins doing the thing, girl. So we are so proud of you. And- when you
2: told me you started this, I was like, Diane, you gotta put me on the mic. You gotta you gotta get me on the mic. I know you're gonna put me on the mic. Please tell me you're gonna put me up on the mic. So I was already excited. I just wanna hear the Jews y'all were gonna drop because as you know, like Diane, she's we've been in close proximity with Diane since we were babies. So Diane been dropping Jews and knowledge since I could walk. And I just had to be, I had to be a part of this. This was Amen. epic. This
1: is wonderful. Wow.
0: Well, but you know what I was thinking about when you was talking, when um, when Marie first met Uncle Charles, she met him as an adult. I don't know if you ever met, you did meet Uncle Charles, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. And so she said when she met him, she felt like, wow, like she was excited because he was, you know, he was the old sage uh, in our family. And so it's probably the same thing that, you know, uh, Uncle Charles has passed that on to Marie and I. We want to be the sages in our family that keep this thing going. So we're glad to have you on. Thank Um,
2: you. Likewise, thank you.
0: What What we would like to do is probably first thing to ask. um, Tell us a little bit about your background and what you're doing now, and what you plan to do in the future.
2: Okay, so I am a civil engineer, environmental and civil engineer, currently working on her PhD at North Carolina A&T State University. I've been an engineer for about 16 years now. Um, my background as far as STEM education, highly honors um, engineering and mathematics. My master's is in mathematics. My PhD will be in STEM education, catering to um, environmental, atmospheric, and energy resources. Um, the goal for me right now <clears throat> is to launch my own business, which will be a STEM-based business called mommy, which would be Mother and Our Mother Earth. Shout out to Diane with mom's list, Mother and Our Mother. I took it a step further and added an E because I wanted to make sure we um understand uh kind of globally where we are with sustainability. I believe we can change the footprint, our carbon footprint that is, over the next few decades. And I just need to get busy and get started. So My primary goal is to pretty much push my aquaponics research, turn that into a business while also educating, I'm going to say, K-12, as well as their parents and guardians, just to get them kind of introduced to what aquaponics could do for us as, um, uh, I would say, a STEM footprint for the future. And all of this is to prepare our future, I would say, our future working professionals that they can be sustainable, um, sustainable solutionists as well. So right now, I am kind of just playing around with um, branding STEM and how how that could, I would say, collect the masses. Right now, since we're such in a a sensitive climate, I think this is a good footprint to kind of introduce something new to the world, to kind of get their minds going in a different direction, something that's positive, something that is lasting, something they could use for forever and kind of change, I would say, the uh, STEM language that's inclusive to all. So that's that's my goal right now is to brand STEM, to market STEM and to pretty much be the, the forefront, the forefront runner of STEM education and STEM resources. So by day I work as an engineer and by afternoon, day and night, I work as a STEM solutionist. And my background, of course, I'm a Baltimore City, City native, <clears throat> Um, originally born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, grew up in Baltimore City, went to Baltimore City College High School, shout out to City Knights, um, and then later started my career at a t with my engineering studies and moved on to Morgan State, where I did my master's, and back at a t again, Aggie Pod, to finish out this PhD and to launch, launch this STEM business. So that's pretty much about me. Um, I come from a, a, a family of, I would say, engineer and business folks who love learning um, and love pouring out, and love providing resources to the masses. That's all I've ever seen. And um, as much as I didn't want to absorb that trait of my family, I seem to have fell right in, right in, right in tune with it. So that's what I'm here to do. That's my purpose. That's my footprint. And I hope I'm going to be making some waves over the next couple of years.
1: So, Della, when when do you estimate that you're going to have your PhD?
2: I should be done. My, my graduation date is May 2024, but I'm ahead of the game. I actually am done with all of my coursework after three semesters. So technically, I am done with my um, coursework for my PhD. I just have to do my research. So what I call myself doing now, since I'm just in my second year, I'm going to have fun with this thing. And I feel like when I have fun with something, that's when the best substance come out of it. Mm-hmm. So I could, be as, I could be finished as early as next year. Or I could keep my 2024 graduation date, which I may keep, only because there's so many resources um, out there while you're in school. And I really just don't have enough time and energy um, to gather all these resources. Um, I see why people take six to 10 years to finish their Ph.D., because there's so many things to get involved with, so many programs, so many different directions to go into. Um, I really don't have six to 10 years to finish because I'm kind of on a fast track. So somewhere between 2022 and 2024, I'll be
1: done. So what do you mean you're gonna have fun with it?
2: Well, education for for most people, um, I would not consider it as fun or even interesting. like my engineering degree, I did that because I was good at math and science and I wanted a job to pay some money. Um, so I just kind of tailored my career towards my traits. Being an engineer was everything but fun. Okay. It wasn't fun until my 16th year. So I didn't fall into fun until I really went through the trenches. So mm-hmm. now that I went through the trenches and one thing that they tell me in research is when you put those 10,000 hours in or 10 plus years in, then you can now almost contest authority. And that's where I am. I, I can contest whoever I want to if they're contesting me. And you can't, you can't hit this point until you put so many years in and you kind of know what you're talking about. And I don't talk unless I know what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't give people my opinions. I don't get, I give people facts. So when you get to the point where you can give people facts, You could have fun with it because you're not scared. You're not timid. You're not intimidated. You have the background. You became the expert. You know what you're talking about. You walk the talk. So now that I'm in that point, I'm like, I could just chill. And that's what I'm doing. I want to chill and have fun. See, when you're under scrutiny and under pressure and you're dealing with racism and you're dealing with prejudice and biases, it's hard to have fun because all those things block fun. They block joy. They block peace. They block everything that's good. And you're doing something good in your career, you think. But you have all these distractions, you know, uh, wickedness or devil-like. You could call it whatever you want to call it. It's negative. And when you have that much negativity placed against you, it's nothing but fun. It's horrible. It's awful. So now that I kind of rose above it, and I know what it is now, I can identify it when it's coming, as I say, see the plot. I can see the plot when it's coming. So when you see the plot, just like Lamar Jackson, you just shake him up and you just roll right on over him, period. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So now I can have fun. I can enjoy it because I'm not under the pressure of passing the test or making sure I pass the course. I'm done with my coursework. So now I'm really into my research. I get to be creative. You can't be creative when you have these pressures and distractions, um, hovering over you every single day. It's like going to a job you hate. That mm-hmm. that's not good. It's not productive. So I'm out of that phase, and I'm so glad. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I'm out of that phase. I'm glad I made it through because when you're in it, you feel like you're not going to make it through. So now that I kind of graduated out of that, I would say um, entry level phase, I can now enjoy the contacts that um, I'm networking with and the new ideas and the solutions that we're coming up with um, as a team or as individually. So now that I'm here, I'm, I'm like I said, I have fun with it now. The pressure's the stress. I don't have to worry about passing any more classes, any more tests. Any of that, you know? Wonderful. <laughs> that takes the pressure off of you and there you could be creative. Now you could be fine. Now I could stay bubbly and you know, outgoing mm-hmm. and oh gosh, I wish if kids in K twelve could feel that, you know, every day, then we would be preparing for that STEM workforce that we keep talking about in research. And
1: you know what I just heard in that is in the beginning you talked about uh you were working on Branding stem, marketing stem, and if it was marketed as fun, that yeah. would be
2: because cool. <laughs> right. Be now, awesome.
1: Right, and so I, I hear that at you. The other thing I hear you, and then I'll kind of turn it over to Diane and ask some questions. Is I hope that part of your plan is to do something like a TED talk because I think you'd be great at that. Just listening to you, oh, thank
2: minutes. you. Everyone has t- and so that's another thing why I had to jump on the mic. Because for the last, since I was a class president at Baltimore City College High School, everyone has asked me for my reality TV show, my TED Talk, my, even, even now when I go to work every day, they always tell, even in the field talking to men, because now I am the boss. So when I'm at work, a lot of guys say, because I want to come up with this construction, I want to do this construction, kind of like reality documentary show. Because, oh, my God, the water construction is so so hilarious. If I could really tell y'all what really goes on behind the scenes, trying to build a bridge, trying to build a road, it is hilarious. Oh, so many (laughs) funny things goes on out in the field. And, of course, me being kind of silly, I'm out there laughing and, you know, because it's funny. When I see something funny happening, I mean, it's funny. But then you also kind of change the the atmosphere and everyone else thinks it's funny, too. And it's like, oh, my God, you are something else. So to head to change those climates and break down those barriers as a black woman engineer is really important, and that's something I think we need to kind of show the new K twelve, edu- um, um, you know, K twelve students, if you could say the um, ones entering K twelve. When I keep mentioning K twelve, I kind of want to target um, those who are beginning their educational journey in K twelve. That's mm-hmm. how we really can change the climate. We don't want to not stand it's not important to jump in. Um, in middle school or high school but to really, really, really get this branding and marketing thing and change the minds of our young students, we got to get them when they enter school and that's what I'm pushing for I'm pushing for branding education, catering towards STEM in kindergarten or pre-K that's who I want to target, that's my target audience right now because there's so many wonderful things that you definitely can have fun in school, you have fun learning math, science technology, engineering and mathematics they just don't know and you don't have a lot of professors and teachers who are fun and outgoing, and who have expression like, like, kind of like I do. So, mm-hmm. you know, we got we have to prepare new um, instructors to kind of exert this kind of energy to obtain um, those new STEM learners and, and make it fun. So, everyone told me that's what I need to do. So, this is this is an early beginning. Uh, I hope I'm able to do so as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Diane is my Diane will be um, our new PR. For, for our STEM um, initiatives, So Diane, I hope you took note of that, um, i.e., this is probably oh. the start of it. So that is actually something that we're definitely um, looking into as far as marketing and branding STEM is getting me on some type of platform where people can definitely hear and, um, Kind of, even if you want to watch it visually, mm-hmm. and and kind of say, okay, oh, she, we could do this. She's cool. I, I, we could do that too. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a black female. I'm just a black. I'm just a female. Period. And I'm not scared of math and science. Like she did it, I could do it too. And that's what it's all about. Like being able to share that experience and um, ho- hopefully cultivate new minds and build that STEM workforce that research keeps pounding in my brain, um, consistently. So, thank you, Marie. <laughs>
0: Oh, Della, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about uh, making STEM fun. But one thing that I want to give a, a, a Della story. When Della was uh, about two, I think, and I, I had taken her and her brother, and she has two brothers and a sister, so it's four of them. So I had taken all of them to church, and uh, she might have been two or three because she couldn't talk, I mean, she couldn't read. And the baby, uh, Rashad, is her brother. He might have been one. And her other brothers and sisters, they could read. I think they could read, uh, especially the brother he could read. So at church that Sunday, my pastor was saying that when you with the children, when, you, when, when, when you're with children and when you're walking with children, you should be telling them about God. And so when I came home, that was in my, it was in my spirit. And so I, put, I had this big king-size bed, and I put all the kids in the bed, and I took out the Bible, and I, um, she might have been older, uh, because Tina can read, and Tina's only two years older than her, Mm -hmm. and Ronnie could read. And so I read, we took out the Bible, we started Genesis. And so I think I might have read the first verse, In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. And when I finished that verse, Della jumped off the bed and hit the floor. And then Ronnie might have read the second verse, and when he finished the verse, she jumped off the bed and hit the floor and then Tina, I think she was struggling with reading. I helped her and when Della we finished she finished before she finished, Della jumped off the bed and hit the floor and I said, "Della, why do you keep doing that?" She said, because I didn't know God could do
2: wow, that. wow, and I've heard that story, was- so I heard you tell me that story.
0: And, and so when she, when God, when God, and, and, a, and a second story is when my husband was alive, he was a engineering, he started at uh, Cheney as an engineer. He left Cheney, went to UM, University of Maryland, U, UMBC, became an astronaut, aerospace engineered engineer. They told him being an African, it's going to be hard to get a job because you need clearances to be a aerospace engineer. And they told him he might, if he wants to look at a different engineering, he might want to Transfer to Morgan. He transferred to Morgan and finished in industrial engineering. When he was a student, um, um, he was a student most of their, you know, most when they knew him when he was alive. He used to make them, he used to tell them when they were little, Delo might have been two, three, four, they were little, all little kids. He said, he used to tell them, first of all, I want y'all to be quiet. He had all this discipline (laughs) stuff for them. But he said that. But he said, I want y'all to be engineers. Mm-hmm. I need y'all to be engineers, and I want y'all to be engineers because when you're engineers, you solve problems. And if you solve problems, you won't have to chase people and jobs and situations. People will chase you. But y'all would be – and I said, Charles, why are you talking to these kids? They're just babies. He said, they're not babies. They're listening to me. They I, I, I listen. Then listen. They used to make them do math problems. He would give them word problems and math problems. They were little. I'm talking about less than six or five. And they had to solve them. And he was really hard on Ronnie because he said Ronnie, you know, he's the African. And so he said Ronnie is the, he's a the senior brother. And whatever he does and however he learns and whatever he shows in education, they will have to follow. But he has to be the smartest. And he has to take care of himself. You know, because he's the way shoes shoes backwards and didn't have his clothes right, Charles would make him, do him over, and he said, because all the children are looking at him. And so every time I um, hear Della, you know, I would say, Lord, thank you, Charles, for maybe that's why you came into my life to, you know, these kids are doing so well. And Tina's, I mean, Tina's, you know, at Hopkins, and and Della is a, a, a sister, of, uh, a family member who's actually a civil <laughs> engineer. And Della. <laughs> Tell us, what does a civil oh, engineer do? Oh, God, that is the
2: number one question. That's another reason why I had to brand it, because so many people, even adults, don't know what a civil engineer does. Um, let me just <clears throat> shout out my parents, because they're the ones who really propelled and pushed me forward. My dad stayed up nights um, in a row to convince me to go to Baltimore City College High School instead of Polytechnical, um, polytechnical High School. Let me just backtrack a little bit. So... In fifth grade, uh, I excelled in math and science, and they um, pretty much placed me into an ingenuity program, and I went to Robert Poole Middle School, which was all the way on the other side of town. It was on the east side of Baltimore, and of course, I'm from the west side of Baltimore, and my parents were like, oh, you know, she's going, period. She's going to go. She's going to enroll in ingenuity, and um, she's going to definitely kind of get involved in excelling in math and science, so that's how this thing all started. Me having really high scores in math and science, and I, I, I bet both of you know about those standardized tests they make you take, you know, every year when you're in K-12. And apparently I scored really, really high um, for fifth grade. And they placed me into ingenuity, and um, it pretty much has, it took off from there. So when I went to City, my father, he's also um, a computer engineer at work IT. That was his field. He worked for MedStar Health. Um, and... Pretty much. He kind of kind of convinced me that even though City College was a college prep um, prep high school, it also produced so many successful engineers. So Polly was the school that was known or notable for producing engineers. And I didn't fully understand what an engineer did then either. So as I never even researched engineering, I just knew that math and science would get me into a engineering program. So when I went to Ant and I'm pretty much enrolled or registered for Ant, um, they wanted to put me in electrical engineering, and I just and, and automatically thought electrical engineering is for men, not even thinking that engineering is for men. Period. But Thank particularly you. electrical engineering, I did not want to do electrical because I was thinking you know i would have to pretty much do electrical something electrical systems play with electricity i don't know i just didn't want to do it so i chose civil didn't even know what civil engineering was or what they did i just know that i didn't want to do electrical so when i enrolled in the civil engineering program at amt we had what you call collo- colloquium you take it your freshman year and they bring all these engineers in to talk to you and speak to you um so civil engineering kind of in a, in a short run it it houses transportation It houses environmental, it houses construction, of course, infrastructure. It houses, um, I would say traffic design, um, vertical building, which would also fall under construction. Um, It kind of houses all of the engineering disciplines under one because civil engineers could do all of the engineering disciplines. It's the only engineering discipline that could do every other discipline. We can do mechanical, we can do electrical, we can do environmental. All right. So if you go into something like petroleum or even chemical or mechanical, you're kind of facilitating all of your work towards that particular discipline. Silver engineering is the only one where you could do, uh, I would say, a massive um, collection of engineering practices. So silver engineering ha- houses everything under civil, anything dealing with people, anything dealing with land, anything dealing with water. Um, so under those domains, you could pretty much build a career um, just doing anything under those disciplines, you know, solely. So it's the only discipline where you could do transportation, you could do design, you could do traffic, you could do mechanical, you could do um, water resources, because I pretty much have tapped into a little bit of everything. And civil engineering is also the only discipline where you're going to walk through all of the disciplines as well. No matter which field you go into or which discipline under civil you go into, you're going to end up walking through all the other disciplines as well. So in a nutshell, it has anything to deal with what I'm gonna say, water, air, and land. As far as infrastructure, infrastructure um, building, new design, um, any of the regulations that houses the, um, I would say, um, restrictions for use. Some i saying the restrictions for water, the restrictions for air, the restrictions for land. All of those are housed by civil Engineers. So we build things, we plan things, we maintenance things, we regulate things under water, land, and air.
0: Well, what's a typical day? Let me
2: walk you through my day. So let me walk you through my beginning days because the engineering practice, you have to start at the beginning. And it's so important that young people really know um, what you're getting into because you don't really know. So college prepares you to get a job. It doesn't prepare you for the job. It just says that I have enough skill and ability to obtain the job. It doesn't say you can even do the job. So coming out of college, well, the first thing is if you get with um, a private firm, that's one thing. Or if you work for the state or the government, which I uh, immediately got a job with the state of Maryland. I work for the Department of Natural Resources. And the average day going in, um, first day. Um, as a civil engineering graduate is they walk you around the entire building and you meet all these people. And then you find out, you find out that it's so many other departments and other disciplines and some made up disciplines as well that you've never heard of under the engineering and construction domain. And so what you do is you just kind of introduce yourself to all these different types of, of I would say, um, skills, skillsmen or skills, crafts, or trades within um, engineering. So you just, you, you introduce yourself, you pretty much introduce yourself to all the people in the building, everyone you work with, and you kind of just learn what everyone does. And I guess that's the best piece of um, advice for any young people going into engineering, is know who people are. So the best thing that I that I think I did for myself was to like be quiet in the beginning, and just introduce myself and welcome people and let people welcome me and that's it so my first couple weeks was just just that welcoming people people welcoming me and me learning their position their titles and what they do and how that influenced my work so like I said the best thing to do is find out who people are what they do and I would say always the scale of hierarchy your scale of hierarchy you need to know who's who's boss who's in charge, you know, who's the manager, who's the supervisor, because that is so important. You do not want to go to the president or um, the vice president or either a director and you don't know who they are. So the first thing is just to learn who people are. That takes about, that could take a whole career really. But I mean, and um, in a snapshot, you kind of want to know that your first two weeks, learn who people are, learn their positions, learn how they how you need to be interacting with them or how they need to be interacting with you to get your job done so then you kind of branch into okay how does this person feed into what i'm doing so for instance working at dnr i learned who would the directors were for each department i also learned who handles the grants who handles um the other i would say capital projects so you learn um you, you kind of meet who's the secretary of the department who's the, the, the manager, who's the supervisor, who's the director. Those are the first four people you you got to queue in on. And of course, you also need to also meet your H- HR reps too. So, that was my first two weeks. The third week is kind of getting yourself familiarized with whatever projects they want you to start working on. Um, As a a young engineer, they they try not to throw too much on you, but they definitely want to um, open you up to everything everyone's doing at one time. So, you kind of, like I said, you got to sit still and kind of be quiet and kind of just absorb these things. And one thing my one supervisor when I first entered DNR, he said, you know, I'm a sponge and I absorb everything and... um, Later on I found that he me and him had some serious issues because he didn't like black people, but that was fine. I still absorbed, like he said, like a sponge, everything that I needed to know far as who people are, or who people were at the time. So that was my first month. The second month was more of more um sensing kind of um learning your territory. So you want to learn where your projects are, um, how to get there. And then you got to meet more people. So when you're an engineer, you're going to be traveling, period. You're going to be all over the place. And you're going to be going to several different projects. You're not going to just be doing one project. You have to be multi, multi, you know, multitasking all the time. So one, you got to learn the software that you're going to be using. Um, usually it's like AutoCAD or MicroStation or something like that, some kind of drafting software, something that's going to read plans or design plans. Then you got to go to your projects and learn your location. So they gave me Western Merlin. I was the Western Regional Engineer. So you're talking age 21 and a half of Western. I'm a regional engineer and I have Western Maryland. So of course I've been out of Baltimore. Thanks, shout out to my parents, my mom being from Danville, my dad being from Oklahoma. So we are we're a traveling family. So I wasn't scared to travel. One thing a lot of engineers um, coming to the field, they're, skilled, they're scared to travel. They have never been out of their hometown. Um, They never had to travel by themselves, that kind of thing. And of course, also being from Baltimore City, we caught the subway, the bus, all these different forms of transportation. So that also kind of breaks the shell of exposure. So you're going to be out and about pretty much. So I had to explore Western Maryland and I've never had to go to some of those, I would say remote areas or they say the scenic routes. Um, so I've pretty much learned all the scenic routes and scenic roads into Western Maryland. And Western Maryland um, is about four hours from Baltimore, the farthest location in Western Maryland. So it's right up, it butts right up against West Virginia. So the first thing I did um, during my second month was just kind of drive out to Western Maryland and get lost. And that's the one thing my father always always told me. If you know what direction you're going in, you can you can find your way out. So, getting lost and finding my way out of west Western Maryland and knowing my locations, knowing where my projects are um that was the biggest thing so that was like month two, month three was then like connecting the dots, like understanding the projects, understanding what they want me to do for each project, and going to the project, learning the people names and their positions because now you just don't have to learn the people that you work with in the office you got to also learn the people that you work with on the field and that was a whole other thing because it's like six toms and 12 gyms and so you know it's like oh my god it's another john and another gym and oh my goodness gracious and so you know just kind of even if you don't remember everyone's name just kind of remember faces so that's i'm good with faces even though if i'm not good with names i'm good with faces so kind of going out and taking photo shots of faces with screenshots in my mind of the faces just so when I go back out in the field, again, I know who I'm talking to. So in the engineering world, like I said, it's all about knowing who people are. So when you're in a field, you'll have like what we consider a foreman. He's the one that kind of houses direction for the crew. He's like the crew leader. So he'll have about four or five guys under him per day that's actually doing the work. You know, the ones that's in um, laying the pipe or grading or doing some kind of construction operations. That's your foreman. Then your superintendent is your foreman's boss. You really want to zero in and really meet the superintendent because he's going to be on site every day. He's going to be the one dishing out the orders from his manager in the field. After that, on paper, or I would say through emails, you want to learn who the project manager is because that's who you're going to have close contact with when you have issues, when you have problems, when things um, come up in the field. So, you know, learning, learning all these different people, that was just, I think, my first two years. So you're going from three months to two years. Um, of just learning people, learning who people are, learning what they do, learning who you need to really um, tell or explain the changes, like change orders for, you know, things as changes in construction, material listing, um, materials handling, and also to hit deadlines. So once you learn who people are, then you could get into what you're going to be doing as far as your projects and being the manager of your projects. I think like year three or four is when I really kind of took a stance in really facilitating work as an engineer. So you're not going to be like the spokesperson fresh out of college. You're just not going to be that person because you don't have exposure and you don't know. You don't really know a lot. But by year three or four, that's when you really should be kind of taking up your position. You have met people, you know who people are, and now you can start actually managing your own projects as the engineer, you know, whether it's in the field or whether it's in the office. So that's pretty much my average day goes from learning who people are, reading a whole bunch of emails, kind of also just doing some background research at my company or within the department I'm in. Just kind of familiarize yourself with who you're working with, the locations of your project, looking at um, old projects and seeing what what went on with those, which ones were successful, which ones were not. And then by, like I said, year three or four and so forth, you then become, you know, the engineer in charge. You know, that's kind of what they say in the field. Like you're the engineer in charge, but you don't become that, I say, until like year three or four. So your day goes from reading a bunch of emails and just kind of, sitting in the background and absorbing things as a sponge. And then you actually get get pushed into the position of being an actual manager of your project.
1: So tell us about your current project.
2: So my current project right now is um, a multitude of projects. I am um, the assistant environmental engineer to the divisional environmental officer for North Carolina. Um, And what I do now is I go to several projects for compliance. So um, I'm working in a civil and environmental, um, I would say you call me a civil environmental project manager if you want to. That's not really my title, but I'll just say that for the record. And what I do is I go to all these different projects throughout um, North Carolina. I have, um, let's see, I have about five counties, five to six counties, depending on who's in need. And what I do is I go to each project and see if they're in compliance. When I say in compliance, make sure they're in environmental compliance for the state. And of course, it's the state of North Carolina. So what I do is I go out to the project and I check their, um, I'll say best management practices, which is erosion control, which is water runoff. um, Just whatever they're doing, I make sure they're doing it so that Whatever runoff comes off the project—when I say runoff, it means whatever water comes off the project is clean water. So that's what I do as far as the engineering part um, of my, you know, of my duties. But as far as the educational part, the PhD part, what I do for my project now is I'm looking into aquaponics and how aquaponics could be a solution for food insecurities um, in North Carolina and throughout the United States and then globally. So, on the engineering side, I check for environmental compliance. For the educational side, um infusing aquaponics into STEM education for K 12.
0: Adela, how do you, um, you know, uh, you've taught in uh, urban environments and also now you taught in higher education, um, you know, math or STEM uh, science and math. I know you mm-hmm. taught at Howard for a little bit mm-hmm. with the Outward Bells. How do you think?
2: I just taught my first um, um, my first math class at A and was a math instructor. I was so excited. Yeah. I wanted to actually print off and frame my classes, which I'll probably work on um, over the next couple of weeks. But I was so excited to be back at my alma mater and actually be a real uh, math instructor for NCA and T. It is the proudest moment for myself. <laughs> like I felt like I did that just for fun. I did. I I, I taught just for fun because I knew um, being a graduate research assistant, I did that for um, one semester and the students were like, "Miss Moore, could you please teach us? Like, please. And I told them, I was like, no, I'm a student like you guys are. It's just that I'm a real engineer and I see the problem. Like, I'm gonna do something for y'all though. And that's the last thing I promised them. When, when COVID first hit, we got sent home in February. And we had to do everything online. And I just watched the faces of these math students just kind of remorse and sorrow. Um, so, so I was just like, oh, my God, I got to do something to help them. So the next semester, I took a math instructor position because I didn't want to see any more sad faces. These are young African-American kids who are tra- well, students because they're, they're not kids. They're students who are trying to find their way. And one thing I know is if you can't pass your entry-level math classes, you cannot continue your career in a STEM discipline. Now we know this is a problem, but I don't see a lot of people doing anything about it. So I have this attitude with myself where if no one else is doing anything, I'll do something. So I went and taught and I was supposed to be teaching part-time, but they gave me 120 students. And out of 120 students, only seven students. And four of those seven students pretty much dropped out. So 120, well, 100 and I would say, Uh, 114 students were successful in passing, and now they could go on to their next level math course and continue their disciplines. Whatever you know, assorted disciplines across the board at Mm Ant. So, no one would give me the credit for that, and I don't care. I just seen a need, and this is what all about being a solutionist is. I seen a need, jumped in quietly, and killed it as always. (laughs) So. (laughs) <laughs> wow,
0: But, you know, one of the things I want, I, I still, you know, um, this uh, Lucianarian thing, I, you know, when I kind of presented that to you of the of the holiday, I'm glad you're running with it. Because I believe that, um, I don't know how, you, you know, you became this math with, this, when uh, when Kasaya was little and I was teaching, helping her with her math homework, and she said, okay, I got this because I'm just like Della, I'm a mathologist. And I said, Della is a mathematician, but if you want to be a mathologist, but how do you get, uh, <laughs> but how do you get kids, um, how, you know, how do How do you think that we can move kids in?
2: Uh, it's, the kids can, it's the energy. It's the energy behind it. Kids. Because one thing, I got such good recommend, well, recommendations and evaluations from the students, and I didn't know what I was going to get. Because like I said, it, it's, it's, and it's it's this is what I take from the whole the whole uh, educational system. When it's your day job and that's your main paycheck, and I'm just gonna be like really honest. When it's your only source of income, again, it's really hard to be creative, to step outside the box, to test the waters. When you have so many people and um so many i would say like supervisors and directors and uh curriculum builders you have all of those people who are continuously pushing some kind of an objective so when you can go outside of their objectives and use your own creativity to facilitate the need that's really needed you know we do a lot of research but what is people really doing and that's just my thing with the p you know experiencing this phd um a lot of people are researching but what are they doing and I'm a doer, and, and A&T's new slogan is Aggies Do. And I just can't, for the sake of me, understand why we're not doing. And, and that's it, we gotta do. That's, that's how we influence this, this new generational STEM or this new, STEM, um, prepare for this new STEM workforce. We gotta do the work. Okay, we did enough research, okay? We've been researching for years. Now, what are we doing? We got to do something, and that's what I took, like I said, I took it upon myself to jump in. I didn't even need to teach. I'm an engineer by day. I don't got to teach. I'm in school. I don't, I don't. Why would I teach? And some of my friends ask me the same thing. Like, what are you doing? Why are you teaching? I say, because, you know, God doesn't give you these gifts to house them for yourself and boast about them. And no, he doesn't. He gives these things to you so that you can spread them to other people. God works inside you so that now whatever you have inside you can now be transferred inside someone else. People don't get that. And when your sole paycheck is based on your good how well you do your job it's hard to be creative it's hard to step outside the box it's hard to try new things in math and science to obtain new learners i don't care because it's not my sole source of income okay so i could step outside the box i could be creative and i could do things outside of engineering most engineers don't reach back okay i could successfully say that because i know i'm an engineer they don't reach back. They don't go back and teach. They don't go back and grab the hands of young students and say, that's why you can be an engineer too. Most engineers are very cocky, okay? And it's okay to be, to be cocky, okay? But it's also another thing if God gave you a gift to spread with other people and that's your purpose, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be doing something. We ain't really doing anything, okay? And I can, we're not. We're researching, we're talking, we're, we're standing in our pool of people. We're not reaching back. We're not grabbing back. We're not trying to influence or have a positive influence for, um, I would say, the young people coming into these um, disciplines. We're not doing the work. So when Aggie said that we're going to do, I took it very serious. And I, we need more people like me to take it serious and actually do the work. Okay. Most people in education, they're not doing higher education, that is. They're not doing the work. They're facilitating research to think about doing the work. But a lot of things are not being executed. So when you, when you read all these papers and scholarly articles, they'll tell you, you know, what they tried, but no one was consistent. So it's, you have to be consistent. You have to be doing something. And you have to be catering to your target audience to influence that change. You could talk about it for years and nothing's gonna change. Nothing's gonna happen unless you're doing something. So we gotta do.
1: You know, I, I guess, Della, just listening to you and then also listening to the story that Diane told about you is when you were two or three, you were jumping. And you just talked about recently how you jumped in and taught. So, you know, some of the things I heard was, I see I see you on the stage. I see you writing a book. I see it's something about the having the energy and the fun of STEM to jump out of bed, hit the floor and do it. That's what I just heard in all of that That's and it. what you just said.
2: That's it. You you, you you nailed it, Marie. That's just it. That's it. That's it. That's it. People wake up every day and and, and see, that's the distraction of life. Like I said, when you're trying to appease your director or your supervisor, you're trying to work towards a promotion or whatever, your whole day, your whole career, your whole life is kind of housed around what other people think about you. And that could be good, but it also could be very, very um, distracting. Because when you're trying to please someone, how are you pleasing yourself? Nine times out of ten, you're not going to be pleasing yourself. You're going to be trying to please someone else. And some people, you, you will never be able to please them. So when you kind of learn that, shout out to the 48 Laws of Power, because my <laughs> brother, Ronnie, who's also in water resources, um, that's my oldest brother. And when you want to talk about someone who did it, this boy did it. Okay, so I had, the reason why I could jump out and do, because what we call in Baltimore, my brother jumped off the porch at a very young age. And he didn't just do stuff. He ran through it. My brother built the company, ran, uh, had all his friends involved. He had like a moving business. He had he had like all these different businesses in one year. One year, my father said he did like 10 W-2s for my brother. So we're, we come from a family of runners. And one thing I think TDJ said, because I watch TDJs every Sunday since COVID hit, I'm really amplifying. I watch about probably 10 to 15 episodes every Sunday is he says, when you wake up in the morning, you better run towards your destiny. You can't wake up baby stepping and, and and no, you better wake up running. And I take that very serious when I get up and get it, my energy, right? Cause I'm not a morning person, but once like 10, 30, 11 o'clock hit, hey, I'm running. I'm running and I'm going to run through the whole day. Like my last year, was probably my most challenging year. I brought all this stuff on myself just to see if I could get through it because I love when people try to test me or tell me what I can't do. Yeah, right. So I had a full load. I mean, just a maximum full load. I was teaching full time. I was in school full time and I was working full time. People say, well, how did you do it? I don't know how I did it. God gave me the energy every morning. I woke up and I ran. Period. You got to wake up running. And if you're tired and sluggish, you better get you some B12, get you some whatever you need to get you going, a red bowl of coffee, whatever it takes you better get up running because we don't have time to be sluggish anymore we've been sluggish now we got to do so you're right marie i'm glad you heard that because that's what i do i just get up and go and in 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 the city we call ourselves this is before the city girls uh, rappers came out we've been calling ourselves go girls and not like go go girls but go girls girls who are on the go handling business we've always said that about ourselves um me and my peers. We've always said that. We are go girls, meaning we are always on the go. So you got to catch us. You better catch us because we're going to be moving. We're going to be moving. We're on the go. We don't have time to sit around and worry about. And that's one thing Baltimore City kind of beats out of you quickly. If you're timid or intimidated or you got a a bunch of insecurities and stuff, you better get rid of them quick because they're going to test you every Mm -hmm. single day. So to combat the test, you better wake up going. Because they're going to try to beat you down or beat something out of you. Like, if you if you think you're really pretty or you think you're really cute, they're going to try to beat that beauty out of you. So you got to be ready. Because if not, you're going to get beat up. So instead of getting beat up, I'd rather be on the go. Period. Period. <laughs> wow.
0: Stella, you have a lot to offer. Uh, The generation your generation and that's
2: that's the biggest thing if I could just be of influence and that's what I told my students is they were giving me some so much gracious um they were oh my god my college students this last semester they were so grateful and I could tell they were grateful because their comments for my evaluation which I thought they were probably going to give me a a bad evaluation because I'm very stern when it comes to education it's playtime's over I can make it fun but it's going to be respectable fun so of course I dealt with some of the challenges, same as um, dealing with high school or K K twelve public students. Okay, those were the ones I was dealing with as as freshmen um, in math, entry level math class. So again, I had to like let them know early on, like it's all good. Yes, you see that I'm kind of young and I'm your professor. But at the same time, we're going to get this work done. Y'all going to be working y'all butts off. And they work their butts off. And I gave them, once Once I kind of set the, the, the I would say, the uh, foundation, you know, it was more of a, a spiritual foundation. I always try to bring metaphysics into my classroom, um, whether it's a Zoom session or not. Um, we got to first get a spiritual cleansing for the class, you know, kind of get them. You know, spiritually sound. I I love to influence spirituality in school, whether they say don't separate church and school, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. I like to get that foundation first and then I like to kind of let them know like, okay, it's okay to be, you know, scared or confused or whatever. We're going to work through it. And one thing I know that they took heed to is that I told them start off strong. And I was just trying to drop jewels to them every day outside of math. And I think that's what really obtained their attention because they knew when they came to my class, one, we are going to have good fun. One, uh, two, I'm bringing a lot of energy, right? I want you to get this. Three, I want you to be successful. I uh, preached success every single class. Like I really wanted them to know that I want them to be successful. And that's, they put that in my evaluation too. Like Miss Moore definitely wanted us to be successful because I cannot tolerate anymore. Black students, any students, because I have beyond just black students, any students. Going to school, spending these thousands of dollars and they don't get the help or the assistance they need to propel them forward. So again, I took the challenge secretly and I wanted to be of great influence and someone they could remember and someone they could rely on. So that dependability, dependability goes a long way because when students see that you're serious that that you want them to succeed, that you're there for them. You know, people think when you hit higher education, you don't have to hold their hands. No, sometimes you still have to hold their hands and you have to tell them you will be successful. So that was my slogan every day. Start off strong. We're going to end strong. We're going to succeed and we're going to pass this math class. So I just kind of created that, what we call in STEM, positive environment. You have to consistently create this positive environment where they're not scared to ask questions. And the biggest thing with math is understanding where the confusion lies. Because if you miss step one, it's very hard to get to step two. And then, in, you know, in reflection, you could use that for life. If you're not good with the foundational things as far as knowledge, then it's going to be hard to build on that foundation. Same thing with engineering. So I just use all the practices that I learned with the experiences I've had at HBCUs and took that experience and my practice and try to cultivate um, a climate of young learners to let them know you could do what I do, but you could do what I do even better than how I did it. And that's another thing that I think a lot of people have to, you know, really pour out. You want people, yes, to be as good as you, but it's okay for people to be better than you too. It's okay. That's what we're here to do. You know, if 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 Dr. Martin Luther King didn't think that we would have other great activists, I don't think he would have done it. I don't think he would have been on the forefront. I don't think he would have jeopardized his life to bring us to our dreams, if, if it's okay to say that. So you have to take all these people that you said, all of your ancestors, all the people that you said on their back, and you have to make them proud. And I think if we can influence that, then we'll all win, and we'll we'll have this robust workforce that we're looking toward as far as future professionals.
1: Adela, you have dropped a lot of knowledge today. I'm... I
2: know I'm dropping jewels. I don't want to get on the mic. Just put me on
1: the mic. I have enjoyed listening to you. It has been a pleasure, yeah. you know, learning a little bit more about you, learning about what civil engineering is. And then just hearing a young person with so much enthusiasm and hope for the future. I mean, honestly, you've given me a lot of hope for the future. So, you know, I, I sincerely appreciate it. I appreciate your time.
2: You're, you're certainly welcome. And thank you for inviting me. I just wanted I wanted to make sure I jumped in on the mic before school started back up. Um just, just to kind of, because you're my cousins. Like, if we can't hold each other down, why, why are we going to do it? And I, I love it. you got to take care of family first. And that's another Man. thing about creating these positive STEM environments. One thing we don't ever really want to talk about education is what's going on at home. Okay? Family is first. You learn everything, I would say, intricate to life at home first. We got to fix that first. We got to cultivate that positive energy at home. As far as engagement, first before we go thinking somebody else gonna do it for us, you know, teachers can only do for so much. Everything else is housed at home. So yeah, I, of course I was. I, when I seen when I seen y'all little avatars, I was like, oh, I just know I'm getting on it. I made me an avatar, okay? Cause I I'm in. Count me in. So thank you. Well, well, Della, all I can say that
0: um. I am so proud, you know. Um I'm sure like Marie, um that um I'm almost about to cry for some reason. I don't know why. I think because I think because um you know that you're giving me just great hope for our, for the people yes.
2: for our, our family yes. you know? with everything um, going on in the world. You know,
0: um uh for for everything for everything going on there's people like you That's that right. still, and, and still believe, believe in, in
2: love humanity. too. Like, you know, I love love. I love still love. Believe in I love, love. it. Yeah. I love love so much. Yeah, I love it so love
0: much. You. Amen. And and also too, because we're gonna make them fun. You know, you don't know that we're gonna start our own uh, Mom E fun podcast or uh, YouTube podcast. So we're gonna start inviting your students. We're gonna we're gonna make Mom E come to life. We're gonna do this live. Uh, on, um, invite some of the engineers, your friends who are engineers, so kids can not only hear you all, but see you all, and we're going to have a mommy YouTube channel, and so, um, and so, um, because I think that people think these things are far off, but, um, you know, um, I want to tell people that uh, people like you and your sister, y'all exist, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't come from
2: a whole bunch of money,
0: but we came from a whole bunch of love, and (laughs) whole bunch of mm-hmm. Lord you can still, do with
2: baby. Lord, still I'm sitting so on praying. them old prayers that went up. Okay? <laughs> okay. Those old Lord Jesus help them, Lord, awesome. those prayers that came from your grandmama and your grandmama That's mama, right. Okay. And we <laughs> That's right.
0: That's
2: right. Please That's Jesus
0: right help our babies Lord. And so we uh... <laughs> Please, Jesus <laughs> Up and showed out because we have a in our family we have a, a sister and a cousin and a um and a uh, that's a civil engineer and um and that's a miracle to me and I always tell Della when she used to be worried about this and I said Della why are you worried about that how many black women have a degree in engineering and a degree in mathematics. And actually does engineering you should have to you, you don't have to worry about anything. all you got to do is Charles told you
2: and that's very true, but that's i true. I try not to be overzealous or over pompous or too proud or you know I try to stay humble about everything because we still live in a very sensitive climate um, and I try to make sure I, I leave a mark of positivity period. That's just that's my thing when people come in t- to meet me or greet me or I leave people, they say, "Oh, I just love her, and I mm-hmm. love that they love me too, you know because I only am here to share positive energy that's mm-hmm. it that that is it it's it's nothing it's nothing else outside of that, so if they could see that in me then they could they have touched upon something inside of them because i I honestly believe once people see the godliness in you, that elevates the godliness in them
1: well, I've definitely. Experience the positive energy, Della. Definitely.
0: Well, Della, oh, that's what I want. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Maybe, maybe that's why I felt like crying yeah, a little. Maybe I'm, I'm, feeling I'm feeling good. joy. I'm feeling joy. Yeah. Feel the joy. Good feel tears. The joy. Good tears. Your unspeakable joy. That's it. Good tears. Positive it's also tears. To show tears to get
2: your joy. mind off of all of the Remember other the negative joy. things that's going on. Okay, because we're going to make it, black people. We're going to make it. Okay, who stormed the White House? We're still going to make it. That's it. That's it. That's <laughs> we it. We already
0: made it. We already made it. You already made it. You are, you are, you are, uh, I've been to Western Maryland. I know what's in Western Maryland. You was out I'm there 21, you know, um, and you, uh, and you, uh, and I went up there one time. I've never oh seen my snow, snow up to the doorknobs. And I And I was thinking, wait a minute, I know this is right. Thank you, Della. Thank you, ladies. But thank you, Della. Thank
2: you, Marie. Thank you for dropping your uh, dropping knowledge, even on the old girl. And I appreciate appreciate it, too, because I've been listening to (laughs) y'all's podcast since y'all started, and this is great. I love it. I just had to be in with the cousins, because I'm a little cousin. I just couldn't wait to get on this thing. Oh, my God. I couldn't wait talking about cousins dropping (laughs) knowledge. Oh, let the little cousins in, please. So, I'm a little cousin. I just had to get on the mic real quick, drop some juice with y'all.
0: That's right. You, 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 you. Right. got have some juice drop, baby. All right, Marie and Della, we just thank you all for our, I don't know which episode it is. We're on, oh, This we is, proud this is episode, episode number
1: 14. <laughs> So oh, okay. this this does conclude episode fourteen. Wow. We would like to thank you so much, Della, for your time and wish you the best of everything. And please let us know if you need anything.
2: Oh, thank you. And likewise, much success to your show. And please bring me <laughs> on again. I'd love to come again. Okay. Right,
0: thank you. <laughs> All, right, bye. All right. Bye.